Welcome to the Non-Breaking Space Show. From Austin, Texas, I'm Christopher Schmidt. On today's show, we talk with Oliver Lindberg. Oliver is a freelance editor and content consultant, founder of the New Pixel Pioneers Conference, co-founder and curator of the Generate Conference, and former editor of Net Magazine. Before we get started, some things I'd like you to know. AccessU Summit is a virtual conference on digital accessibility techniques and policies that's taking place online on May 18th. Early bird tickets are now on sale at accessusummit.com. Make plans for CSS DevConf 2017. It takes place in New Orleans. So grab your early bird tickets for that and join Chris Coyer, Wes Boss, Harry Roberts, Sarah Drasner, Estelle Weil, and many, many more. Tickets are on sale at cssdevconf.com. The UX Design Newsletter is a weekly list of articles Tutorials and inspiration handpicked by yours truly. Sign up at uxdesignnewsletter.com and have the link sent to you directly into your email box once a week. Speaking of email, set it and forget it with a non breaking space show newsletter. So whenever a new show is up and ready, you'll get notified right away. All you have to do is sign up at newsletter.nonbreakingspace.tv. You can find links discussed in today's episode at nonbreakingspace.tv. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at Telejet, T-E-L-E-J-A-C-T. If you like today's show, please let others know about it. We're not breaking space show on iTunes. Now, on with the show. But yeah, but thank you for, for being here. I appreciate it. Thanks so for much. having me. Yeah. I know uh, we, we've tried to get you on for, for a while now. So it's been like... <laughs> Like, oh, this isn't working now. Okay, let's try. Well, yeah, there were quite a few things changing in my career, so I yeah. thought now's a better time, right? Well, that's that's cool, yeah, that's great. Um, uh, I guess one place I want to start out, you know, I think most people know you, uh, right now, like as the former editor of NetMag, uh, Net Magazine, uh, yes. which used to be called .NET Magazine, which, um, it's not anymore, right? It's not, it's not called that anymore. We, we dropped the dot, uh, kind of, yeah. I'm responsible for that. Okay. <laughs> um, and uh, so how, I guess the first question is like, how did you get involved with the web? And then how did you get uh, to become uh, the editor of, of uh, Net Magazine? And how, how was that process? Um, I kind of fell into it. So I was, um, I come from a journalistic background. So I, um, I did a postgraduate diploma in journalism in Cardiff, here in the UK. Yeah. Um, and then I was looking for a job. <laughs> and um, the first job that um, came about that kind of made sense was um, a staff writer position on .NET Magazine. Um, and that was like, wow, uh, that was 2004. Oh, Jeez, wow. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so, so kind of started there and I kind of made my way up, um, on, in the magazine. So I did various different things. I started as a staff writer and it was a different, a very different magazine then. It was more like a, a fanzine for the internet. It, yes. really, it didn't really have that much to do with web design at that point. Um, and it kind of grew into web design as, as the audience grew up with the magazine. So it, slowly it became more and more. Um, web design focused and web development focused. 
um, and I did various positions. I, you know, I then became like deputy editor, and at some point I looked after the um, the website only, which at that point was netmagazine.com. Um, and then I became editor and uh, dropped the dot. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the, the the thing with the dot is we, we always had some issues with, um, especially people with, in America, getting confused with the name, thinking it's got something to do with the Microsoft framework. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, but it didn't. It was just, you know, it was meant to be something on the Internet. Um, but I always had to you know, answer that question, why, why that framework? I said, no, it's not just that framework. It's like, you know, it's HTML and it's CSS and you know, all that kind of stuff. Which always, uh, I guess, kind of opens up the, the conversation about uh, the, the sticky issue of naming things for the internet, you know, or about the internet, because it's always uh, a weird, sticky, sticky thing. Like, especially, I think uh, now you have a problem of, uh, not a problem, but, you know, it's, I think it's it's kind of like status quo for the internet, uh, atomic design. Yeah, and, you know, it's, it's it's atomic element. Like, so you get this whole, whole issue. Then you have a uh, React and then reactive. Uh, you know, JavaScript. Yeah, names are hard. Names are hard, and you know, yeah. gradually we just pushed the 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 dot off the cover until mm -hmm. it completely disappeared. Okay. Yeah, I, I know. I know there were some some issues where like uh, people's. I it took me a while because I always I always called it dot net and people. People still do. People yeah, people do. I'm kind of fine with it. I mean, I don't even know <laughs> now, but yeah, I right. sometimes call it .net or net. So people know what it is. Right. Yeah. It's it's yeah. Uh, one thing you mentioned, like uh, fanzine. Like, how how would you describe the content when it was a kind of a fanzine? Oh wow! Like, so it it was basically, um, you know, it was reviewing modems. You know, the 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 old modems with a funny noise, um, <laughs> and it's. It covered like everything that happened on the internet, even like internet vigilantes or you know how to use eBay, uh -huh. um, you know all, all kinds of stuff. Right. Cool. Not just web design. Yeah, is this this? Because there used to be like two magazines in America. And I think you know, I think that magazine was was kind of published on stateside, but it was just uh, uh, it used to become bundled with a CD-ROM. Oh, yeah. latest, well, like yeah. I'm not sure it's the same magazine, or not, but uh, I should have found out. But uh, I, I think I still have a few of those CD-ROMs. We we had this until you know until maybe like two or three years ago, even still. Oh wow, yeah, because like uh, back in the early days in the '90s, like you get in the internet magazines, like these are the best free Photoshop plugins for for editing web pages, and web graphics, and stuff like that. Too. Yeah, and uh, all kinds of templates on there, and I, I think no one really used it anymore. You know, mm -hmm. people didn't even have like a disk drive. So what's the point of having <laughs> it? Yeah. Oh man, that's all right. Yeah, <laughs> now you have to actually go out and go buy one if you want one. Um, but as an add-on. So cool. So um, how would you feel uh, as a, as an editor? Um, how I get you know this question we get asked a lot is like how do you stay current, but you know, so that's my question to you. Is like, how, how do you see on top of uh, events, you know, and news uh, in general? Like, how, how do you keep on top of that? And then, um, um, my question, my question on top of that is just like, then you know what's going on. Then how do you start to pick stories based off of that? Because that's just a lot of, uh, you know, in terms of publishing, you still have lead time in terms of developing the story and writing it. And so it might be, you know, okay. a while before yeah. Forcer. Yeah. So like, so so that's, that's a two point question. Like, like, how do you how do you personally keep up to date and then also like for your magazine i, I think a lot of it is is twitter still although it's becoming less useful 
But um, I, I use Twitter a lot still to to see what what people are what people talk about. Um, and also, I, I used a tool called Do You Know Tweeted Times. No, no, no. Um, it's, it basically creates like the, the the biggest or most talked about stories based on your Twitter feed, um, Twitter Times and. Um, again, that's become a little less useful as well because now most of my timeline seems to be like, um, you know, politics, uh, Trump, Brexit, all that kind of stuff. But, you know, you still get like, you know, when there's a, um, an article, for example, on, you know, Smashing Magazine or a list apart or even like, a, you know, creative blog, um, you, you can see what people are talking about. Yeah. So I, I, I monitor Twitter and social media for that kind of stuff. But also um, a lot of the conference sites, okay. you know, see what the trends are uh, on conferences also because I obviously you know, I create conferences as well. So I need to know, you know, what, what do people talk about? What are the topics? What are some of the good speakers? Um, and once you find someone who's a good speaker, you know, they lend themselves to, to uh, like, authors as well, you know, and when you commission the article. And so a lot of the articles that are commissioned for, for Net Magazine um, were based on conference talks and, um, you know, people who talk at conferences and, and share and are kind of educators in that space. Okay. Um, and then, you know, checking out the usual sites, Smashing Magazine, A List Apart, you know, all the, like, you know, the big sites and then publishing as well, you know, books by um, O'Reilly mm-hmm. or, um, you know, A Book Apart. Smashing books. I see. I see some trends going there. A book apart, then part. Yeah. Uh, rally, rally conferences. There you go. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I, I I never thought about like. I guess conferences would be a good place to find out what's what's happening, what people are talking about, without even actually. Yeah. But they're not just the big ones, you know. I, I check out um, meetups as well. You know, I try yeah. to go to meetups that are local here um, yeah. in Bristol, but um, also just you know checking out the sites of meetups and then you see even even you know even if someone is you you find some are some some topics that are maybe not that much talked about that are a bit more niche but really interesting and that that sometimes sparks off an idea in your head and say oh that could make a good little article maybe a little tutorial maybe a little opinion piece Mm -hmm. yeah i mean i do i think that meetup thing is a great idea because as a conference organizer and i was trying to find speakers for the space that was kind of newish but Mm -hmm. uh but it hadn't been talked about much but so I actually went looking for meetups in uh, you know high density cities like California, like San Francisco, Silicon Valley, and then New York, and then looking to see what speakers they had in the background, and then trying to find people who've, who've already spoken and, about these topics. And so that yeah. was kind of that was like my one of my my tricks of the trade. I was like, oh yeah, here we go. I found, it's, found it's, it's a good way of finding new speakers as well, you know, because you know some of the big conferences you, you see the same name again, yeah. you know, understandably. But uh, sometimes you you can spot you know, kind of discover new talent at a meetup. Yeah, and that's another, another question. Like, you know, we'll go back to the, the conferences because uh, uh, you're co-founder of the Generate Conference, is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then uh, you have a new conference, uh, Pixel Pioneers. Is that correct? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I was just wondering. and um, so let's talk about uh, was it you know this is the thing that we always get asked um, about speakers is that. Uh, how do you become a speaker? Like how someone who is in the industry wants to become a speaker if they, you know, want to overcome that fear of speaking, public speaking, and uh, want to share what they know, which is a great thing, which is awesome. Like we love speakers because, you know, it, yeah. it is it is very stressful to speak in front of uh, yes. your peers, but people who do want to do it, you know, we 
we love that people like want, want to step up and do it and we also want to make sure it's uh it's like as least stressful every time as possible but mm-hmm. uh but yeah how do you how does uh, someone go about uh becoming a speaker like on your radar um i think it's it's you know if, if people i mean they, they can just email me if it's just yeah. me personally you know for example with with both generate and pixel pioneers it's basically like a an open call for proposals mm-hmm. so um accept proposals and people email in and I, I check out the proposal and sometimes that leads to a talk and i can check out the speaker especially if, if they include like links to slide decks or like previous talks that they've given um, so I get, a, get an idea. But generally, it's, you know, a lot of conferences have uh, calls for proposals. And um, these are being shared, you know, massively on, on Twitter. So people just should just um, try it out, you know, and, and send out proposals to various conferences and, and, and see what happens. If, you know, if it's not the right fit for one conference, it might be for another one. And as I said, you know, again, meetups. The meetups are a great way of, of starting Mm-hmm. public speaking because um you know it's a smaller audience and you're more likely um to get a speaking gig um so it's probably not as nerve-wracking to stand in front of like you know just 25 people right compared to like you know about 500 or something like that yeah and i know a lot of people who are known speakers or like known for speaking if not known speaker uh everyone talks but uh is that uh, they actually go, uh, if they're going to do a conference or like they want to do, they are going to speak at a conference, they usually kind of workshop it, a talk, by going to a meetup first and, and trying yeah. out material beforehand. So it's always, and it's always good because like, if you, if you are in an area, just definitely, if you haven't gone to a meetup, yeah, I definitely would recommend it. I know in Austin, we have a just just a fantastic meetup culture. There's like, you know, there's a JavaScript meetup and there's a refresh meetup. Um, that's one of the, the more popular ones out there. Yeah, but we also, we also have it's it's a great way of of trying out new material. Like um, I recently went to the products tank meetup in Bristol. And mm-hmm. I didn't realize they have like hundred meetups around the world now with product tank, which is yeah. amazing. Um, and and that particular meetup, Joe Leach um, gave like a, a taster of the talk that he's giving at my Pixel Pioneers conference about UX psychology. And you know it was only like a, a, a fifteen minute, twenty minute sneak preview. But uh, it's 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 great to to test you know your material in front of like you know twenty five people or so on. You can see what works, what kind of jokes work or don't work, um, and then what people respond to. And I think that's a great way to do it. Uh, what type of tips would you give to speakers after after having uh, run a few a few conferences? How to test out new material? Um, I'll, I'll just say tips in general for public speaking. Oh. Um, that's that's a very good question. I mean, there, there's lots of there's lots of articles and and also books to to read. I, I probably would recommend reading um, the book on public speaking that Laura Hogan has published for uh, a book apart. Um, but there's also a lot lots of really good blog posts. Um, I think there's one by it's a little bit older, but it's called Burke and Confessions of a Public Speaker. Um, and and other than that, I think it's you have to put a lot of preparation into it, you know, um, work on your slides, um, try it out maybe in front of friends, try out, you know, because you need to, they need to be like a certain length. Um, so yeah, it's just, just, you know, practice. I think it's just practice, practice, practice. 
<laughs> there's there's no there's no secret behind it. So I think just practice <laughs> is pretty much what you know. I have a like a little bit of a journalist background too. I just want to know if you could talk about uh, what what goes into an issue of Net Magazine, like like how much. What's the normal process of, you know, how many stories does it get written by, you know, do you have staffers and how many oh, wow. like, staffers go into it? How many uh, authors do you commission to write stories and, and how, like how much, like just, you know, talk about the, the general, like how much time, lead time you have to publication before it, you know, deadlines and, and getting all oh, like, yeah. You, you in, in print are a little crazy, you know, you, um, you do it well in advance. Um, so, Every issue has got like, uh, let me just check, if, if I think. <laughs> <laughs> so it's still like around here. So 114 pages. Yeah. That's a lot of content. That's a lot of articles. Um, about six tutorials, every issue, lots of opinion pieces, some interviews and stuff like that. So what, what I used to do was I had like a big spreadsheet hmm. and um, did a lot of forward planning in that spreadsheet, put like um, every slot. And, you know, what I wanted to commission and make sure that the balance is right, that you do a little bit of CSS every issue, a little bit of web performance, you know, just to get the balance right. And then you would start emailing people and see whether they could write the the article, give them a deadline well in advance. I yeah. would usually give, give people like, like a good month, if not more, to, to write the article. Yeah. Um, and then this article would come in usually at the beginning of an issue cycle, which is roughly four weeks. Um, and the team is a lot smaller than you might think. You know, when, when I edited the magazine, I had a very small team that just consisted of a production editor, um, an art editor, and myself. And the rest is, you know, just, just freelancers or, or, you know. And I believe it's even smaller now. It's just yeah. the editor and the rest is um, production and art shared across different magazines. So it's it's a really small, tiny, very tight operation. Yeah. Um, but it's, yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Cool. It's been a lot of fun as well. It's, it's nice working with people, although, you know, like working with lots of different contributors that are not used to being writers, more used to doing, you know, to writing code and that kind of stuff can be challenging because people are not that used to print deadlines because right. on the web, you know, it doesn't matter when you publish, but with print, it's kind of set in stone and, you know, a publishing company could get fined, you know, if you miss the, the print deadline. So, you know, you, you can't, you can't afford not running you know, four pages. You know, it's, it's always 116 pages and that's it. Yeah. Yeah. It's always coming down like this this deadline always coming down you can't uh, can't move it but where's the web yeah. you're just like ah oh, if i don't need to publish it but uh, yeah. but yeah one thing that we talked about finding speakers is that uh one thing we we uh we did mention was uh writing a blog and uh writing on your own website and doing that cuz uh um i think uh and people who aren't used to writing i think that's just a great way of and you know i'm at fault cuz i don't keep up my my own blog with this yeah. but uh, for finding new speakers uh, you know, if you actually go out and blog and uh, publish on your own, uh, you know, I found speakers that way. Uh, like uh, Zell Lu was one speaker I found because he was blogging. Uh, Leah Veru back in the day. Because uh, I, I kept on finding myself going to this pink, orangish website over and over again yeah. about CSS3. And I was like, well, who? Because like it was so, such, <laughs> it, was, it was so great at branding 
color wise because I kept on coming back to this color scheme that was like my retinas. I kept on saying like, oh, you're at the site again. And then like, well, let me just find out who this person is. And uh, and I was just like, because uh, I kept on coming back to the site, obviously, because my mm-hmm. eyes kept on uh, like like shocking, uh, being shocked by it. And um, and so, yeah, it's, so I think that's one thing, just like people. Yeah, just, yeah like, definitely. If, if someone is a, is a good writer and is quite prolific at writing and, and blogging, chances are that they are a good public speaker as well because they are experts in their field. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, you know, I I keep on failing to make time to write, and so so some it says a lot when someone actually like one takes time to write what they've learned, which is always great for our industry. But and some uh, people are amazing. You know, some people are so prolific. I'm, I'm I'm amazed. You know, one one example like Sarah Drosner, she just churns this stuff out, and it's all like really amazing, high quality stuff. And says, "Wow, where does yeah. she find the time?" And she's yeah. great as well. Yeah, yeah, she's she's amazing. Yeah, and so. Uh, yeah, I didn't know. Yeah, I met Sarah at uh, at CSIS DevConf a couple of years ago, hmm. and uh, when she won the best of, and it was just, and I've been, you know, of course, been uh, talking to her since then. It was just been, yeah. I'm just been amazed at, at how prolific she is. It's just been hmm. amazing. But, but you don't have to be as prolific by just sharing what you know. Yeah, uh, if you want to be speaking and so like that. But uh, yeah, I would definitely say the best thing is just to invest in yourself in terms of if you want to be a speaker, uh, just keep finding your own domain. Uh, it doesn't have to be crazy snazzy looking, but just make sure you keep on publishing and, and sharing the URLs via Twitter and yeah, and social media and some of that too. So people, I think I think a good approach is to to become like a, a subject matter expert. So mm-hmm. find your own little niche, and then you become known for this niche, and then people come back to you again and again for your for your advice for your expertise. I have no advice for how to become a niche because <laughs> <laughs> i'm more of a journalist i'm like i i like everything i don't like yeah yeah same here <laughs> yeah and then and when you were an editor how did you decide to pick like that you know the cover story or the or the main themes um f- for for a magazine for issue because like you know you you gotta have you gotta get something on the cover uh you know every month you know what's gonna be the main draw for it and we discussed it's not gonna be a cd-rom anymore because we got rid of those <laughs> so so what kind of like how do you like, like is it gonna be you know is it gonna be wordpress this month or is it gonna be well, the, the cover story is is tough because um it has to be kind of mainstream it has mm-hmm. to appeal to as many people as possible and in the case of net magazine it had to be a topic that you could illustrate in a way um and and some cover stories are really difficult to illustrate so some of the ones that we went back to again and again was CSS that seemed to work. WordPress worked as well, but then started not to be as popular. For some reason, typography did not work, <laughs> <laughs> um, which is oh, kind of strange. Oh, man, um, yeah. And I, it, it helps if it's a very obvious topic, uh, a topic that you can kind of, you know immediately what the story is about. And, you know, quite kind of thinking, oh, I, I wonder what this is, you know, as, as obvious as possible. That's usually the best one. We had a few, like, about responsive design that did really well. Um, and then, you know, backed issues. Sometimes, you know, although there's no CD-ROM anymore, you can <laughs> still put the, the, the magazine in a, in a bag and give away, like, for example, a supplement. We did a few supplements on topics like um, e-commerce. Mm-hmm content, um, e- email marketing, and responsive design. 
and they were usually done in association with a sponsor, you know, to be able to uh, have a higher budget. Um, and then basically it was just an extension of the magazine, like a supplement with another 16 pages or so covering, um, again, like tutorials, opinion pieces on that particular subject. And then that it was always a good draw because, you know, it's this perceived value. You're getting like another little magazine that works. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, 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 yeah. I'm a sucker for those, uh, value on value adds. So and then, newsstand is tough. Newsstand has become really difficult, um, for magazines and, you know, it's print, isn't it? It's just print. Print is hard these days. Yeah. I mean, I must admit like, um, I've given up on, uh, I've kind of, I love web design books, but I've kind of held off on buying web design books and going for eBooks. But however, I find more value in learning from books when I have the physical book. Yeah. I just don't have the bookshelf space to maintain it. I feel like I'm, I sort of have a web design museum already with all these books from like, you know, the (laughs) nineties and everything like that. So I don't really like feel like, uh, what always worked for for net magazine as well and, and and books about web design we spend a lot of our time in front of the screen mm-hmm. so it's it's nice to you know just sit down on the on the sofa on the loo or whatever yeah you know, and just just read something physical right yeah i mean uh, don't, i like yeah i love i love the physical nature of it just just uh but so i'm a i'm a subscriber uh for the uh, through the uh magazines app or the new stand app on um mm-hmm. on the thing just go because i just oh man I, I i like i've given i try to i've got old wired issues like the first wired issues and oh I, really yeah i think i, I don't want to give those up just yet but yeah because uh, that's when they were really crazy in terms of design yeah. uh crazy crazy awesome but uh oh you uh, should see some of the like old net magazines they were crazy <laughs> <laughs> so if you go back like about more than 10 years there are some really crazy ones Oh, nice. I will. I think we should go. <laughs> so let's talk about uh, uh, Pixel Pioneers. Uh, is this, is this a, your conference that you're doing? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I founded it. I I left uh, Future late last year, so I I, I quit my job right. because it was it was just time. Yeah. And um, since then, I've been doing some uh, freelance work, content marketing editing, freelance editing, that kind of stuff. Still involved in the Generate conferences as well as, as on, a, on a freelance basis. You know, I, I curate, curate those and share those. But I wanted to have my own as well, you know, my own conference. And um, I wanted to create something that's maybe a slightly different tier and slightly more affordable than other conferences and also do something... Um, that's not necessarily in, in the huge cities and, and the capitals and bring something to, you know, some vibrant communities elsewhere. So the, the, the first one I'm doing is in, in Bristol, which is just about 50 minutes from where I live here. Um, because Bristol is a really vibrant digital community. Um, there's a lot of digital agencies, a lot of web design agencies, there's a lot of graphic design agencies and there's quite a few startups as well. There's quite a lot happening in, in Bath and Bristol. So that's the first one that will be on the um, 22nd of June. Mm-hmm. And then I'm also planning one in Belfast because, you know, same thing, Belfast has got a really vibrant scene, um, but they haven't really got a conference anymore. You know, they used to have Build, 
Yeah. And Build was a really popular conference, but you know, Build disappeared a few years ago. Um, then the, there were a few one-off conferences. I, th I thought it was time again to bring something to Belfast. So the, these conferences are, you know, one day, one track conferences, eight talks, um, with a few side events around it. I'm not doing like proper workshops for the first one, but I'm introducing workshops for the second one in, in Belfast. And so, yeah, I'm quite excited about it. It's just, well, that's my own. <laughs> it's nerve-wracking <laughs> as well. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. As, as you may know, like conference organizing. <laughs> yeah, I, I love uh uh, we did a couple of conferences in, in our hometown, which is after several years of doing them elsewhere. And so it was really nice to uh, not have to travel to yeah. put on a conference. So, but, uh, but yeah, well, so, yeah. so far, you know, most of the um, attendees that I've booked already are in, in this area, Bath and Bristol. But I've also had a few bookings already from like people elsewhere, like Belgium and Netherlands and stuff. And it's really nice that people um, check it out and, you know, have the confidence that it will be good and, and book a ticket. It's nice. Yeah, it's always, you know, like like after doing it for several years, it's just, it's always nice when people like, you know, uh, attend. <laughs> it's, just like, <laughs> yeah. it's just like, yeah, thank you for, for, for coming out. Uh, yeah. In, um, yeah, so uh, what type of themes uh, are you uh, with this? Like, you know, when you pick speakers, you kind of pick a, you know, Zellman talks about like being like a playlist. Mm -hmm. And so like what type of, themes or, or notes do you want to hit, if you will, uh, to carry the analogy and metaphor further, yeah. uh, uh, like with, with, with uh, Pixel Pioneers? So the, the, the focus is web, UX, and front-end development. Mm -hmm. So with, with, for the first one in Bristol, uh, we're covering email coding you know, with, with Mark Robbins. We are covering some uh, UX psychology with uh, Joe Leach. We have um, Jessica Rose um, talk about automated development. Which is becoming more of more an issue as well. You know, everything's being automated. Um, then we've got something about service design by Lily Dart, um, and web animation. Web animation is also a, a big topic that I try to cover at pretty much all of the conferences that I do. Um, there's going to be a talk by Adrian Zumbrunnen from uh, Google. That I'm really looking looking forward to, and um, data visualization. Yeah. Um, we have Nadi Bremer give a talk, and I saw her for the first time last year. And again, she's one of these people who have come out of nowhere, you know. Um, and, and now you see her at quite a lot of conferences. But her work is just, you know, stunning. The stunning data visualization work. And kind of like, it always surprises me when people come out of nowhere and think, where, where have you been before? Why, why have I not heard about you beforehand? Because, you know, you've been doing this for a while, but, you know, suddenly, you know, they are, they're on your radar and they, they, they write a lot. You see their work being referenced. You see them pop up at other conferences. And um, that's really nice. Yeah, I, I continuously surprises me how, uh, not continuously surprises me, but like, I, I, I like, I think a better way of saying this, like, I like seeing how popular web animation is. Mm -hmm. uh, becoming and, and it continues to grow. Uh, so that's that. And, and then uh, data visualization. The last couple of years. Yeah. It's, um, and I always thought animation was, you know, when uh, Apple put it into CSS, I thought like, well, that was, um, I enjoyed it because I'm a CSS guy, but I didn't really thought it would belong more in JavaScript, but I definitely like it's, it's finally, um, yeah, giving us due credit. So that too. So yeah. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. In terms of speakers. Like you find speakers, like I think uh, we talked about Sarah earlier, but I feel like she's been in the industry forever, 
Um, not forever, but uh, she's been around the industry for a long time. And then, like, why why haven't we heard of her before? You know, before now, yeah. it's like it's been been great. So it just it sounds like just it's kind of like a general web conference, but more like you know, but definitely uh, specific areas, you know, UX yeah. and, and front ends with that too. Yes, cool. yeah. As as you say, you know, you know, um, we both come from like kind of like editorial background, uh, and I'm interested in in the, in the wide range. You know, I. I think I would get a little bored if it was just one niche, just looking at um, Node.js only, yeah. or something like that. Um, right. it's, it's interesting, but you know, I'm I'm interested in this, and then this is kind of related to it. And sometimes right. you come up with with a lineup, um, and you find that the talks actually kind of refer to each other. There's a little bit of like oh, design systems, and kind of works with oh, like there's components, and then there's you know animations. It kind of all fits into a bigger picture. Which is really nice on these like um, more general conferences. Yeah, yeah. Even um, like um, yeah, we we used to do a general conference called In Control, and that was kind of a kind of a kind of a weird conference. Uh, not a weird conference, but it was just like it was. You know, we we tried to do like soft skills the first day, and then like you know hard technologies the next day. But then I just felt like it's like a little bit too general, and sometimes yeah. Um, and so I felt like we couldn't find. A right groove uh, uh, for the conference, and so also, I also find you know when you have a conference and there's a lot of code, it's a little relentless. You know, no one can mm-hmm. like listen to code for a whole day, so it's it's nice to have like um, a few talks that break it up a little bit that are maybe a little bit more inspirational than practical. And and talking about you know what you said about soft skills, you know one one of the other talks that uh, we, we have at the uh, Bristol conference is um, Tobias Arlen from, uh, he, he designs um, Minecraft. He's going to talk about um, how you can get your clients to listen, which yeah. is a really important topic, really. You know, yeah. it's, it's not really code and it's not, you know, it's not like a, a hard skill, but it's important. Uh, in fact, uh, one, of the conference, uh, one of the talks last year at CSSDevConf, which actually won an award, because we do like the best of, um, was uh, how not how not to get burnt out by uh, Alicia Sedlock, yeah. and uh, uh, it was it was interesting that one that it made the cut because we do uh, we do uh, double blind voting, but it was amazing. Like, well, it was like not a super technical talk, um, which is like you know we have you know, not that it has to be, but uh, it's like developer and title. But it was kind of interesting to see a talk about like you know professional development, but also like personal care uh, to be in there, and so like it's not really a code heavy talk. Yeah, but uh, it was it was kind of a it was just an interesting thing to see that. You know, you know, I think for, it's important. I think it's important to have these talks in there. You know, if you have a conference, you know, have one or one or two of these talks in there. You know, covering different topics that are more at the sideline, but but still important. You know, whether it's this what you've just said or like diversity and all that kind of stuff. You know, it all helps. Yeah, definitely, definitely cool. Yeah, and then um, but but you still work for uh. I mean, like, well, I just, I don't know. I just want to use this time. Great. Cause like we're two conference organizers. I feel like I should be like being your brain about like, uh, uh, how to, uh, develop conferences better for, for, for that. So do you have any general word of advice for people who do want to start their own conference or, or any, any wisdom about, uh, running a conference? Oh, well, not to give up. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it can be, it can be frustrating sometimes. And, uh, you know, you go through different challenges, whether that's, you know, 
speakers cancelling or um, you know you, you go through this slump in the middle where you don't sell that many tickets you know you, you, you have a, a whole you sell a whole chunk of tickets at the beginning when you have your, like, your early birds phase you know then you have a slump and then it goes back up it's just not to lose faith I think you know and, and sticking to it and um, do what you can to to get the word out and if you believe in it get some other people to help you spread the word about it get some um, get some good media partners as well that can help with that um, because you know chances are the, the, the audience are there and if you yeah. if you believe in it um, you know yeah just just stick to it even if it can be hard sometimes yeah it amazes me uh, I think getting media partners is, is crucial because uh, it never fails that uh, uh, we find people who reach out to us after a conference and said, like, I didn't know your conference existed, you know, and yeah. I feel like I feel like it's kind of weird. No, I know that I feel like, um, you know, like they need to hear about a conference sometimes. Like, I feel like you should hear about it. I feel like we just spent, you know, a lot of my effort through the year, you know, <laughs> trying to promote it. Exactly. And I feel like, like, I feel like I've, I went on top of the mountain. And I screamed as much as I could. Like, I have a conference and I think it's pretty OK. You should check yeah. it out. But uh and the fact that you, people like still didn't hear is just like, uh, you know, just making sure people know about it because I think yeah. the audience is there. And I uh, think it's, it's, it's about um, using as many channels as possible. You know, do social media on different channels, do, do it on Twitter, Facebook, whatever works best for, for your audience, LinkedIn or whatever network. Um, then build up a mailing list. I think building up a mailing list is, is a quite a good way of um, growing like a dedicated um, and, and quite loyal and, and engaged user base. Um, yeah, uh, find out who are the kind of like opinion formers or, or leaders in your area, uh, media partners, but also, you know, there's some media partners that are kind of local. So for the for this conference that I'm doing in Bristol, I'm looking at who's, who's kind of who's kind of local. You have got media partners that are like you know SidePoint and Creative Block, which are very international. But it's also useful to you know there, there's this like thing called TechSpark mm. in in this area, which is like into it's about investing in you know the digital community in in this area in the southwest of England. And they have a website, so I've reached out to them, and they they're publishing they've published an article, an interview with me about the conference. So it's about getting the word out in in different areas. Yeah. Cool, yeah, definitely. I think you know, I don't know, advertising is 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 key, getting that word out. So cool. And you can you can do a lot of that stuff with a really small marketing budget. You know, with basically no marketing budget. With Pixel Ponies, it's just me. You know, so <laughs> I haven't really got any money to to spend on. Uh, a lot of advertising, yeah. so it's just it's word of mouth going to to meetups, telling people directly about the conference and that kind of stuff. For for the speakers, I have a, like a big spreadsheet where I just write everything down because you know once it, it gets to a point where like this year I'm involved in five conferences and it's very difficult to lose track, so it's just write down as much as you can. And I have different columns for, you know, speakers that have accepted, speakers have declined, you know, sometimes write the, the reasons down as well. Mm-hmm. Um, write down as, you know, how much certain speakers charge because, you know, chances are next year you can go back to them if yeah. it didn't work out this year. And, um, you know, maybe it works out then. 
for whatever the reason it was for for them not not doing it. But also like lots of ideas, you know, when when I look through sites and you know conference sites, also like you know publications, um, I come across a name and think, oh, that could be um, possibly could be an interesting um, speaker. Just write down the name so you don't forget it. And then you can refer back to it. It's also very useful, you know, when people cancel and they do. Um, then you have kind of a backup list of people that you can approach. What is your craziest uh, conference uh, story? Craziest? Um, that's a very good question. Um, All right, well, you think about it, like, I'll tell you mine. I'll, <laughs> I'll tell you one of mine. This is just, it has to be crazy, but just like one of the most stressful uh, things is that uh, we used, like I said we had to do in control conference and the in control conference used to be uh, not a workshoppy conference like like because uh, one of the things that I'm kind of toying with the idea of, like actually with with my partner like mostly her idea but uh, is just do instead of do a conference of hours or half hour sessions actually just do a conference of like half day sessions uh, half day workshops uh, sessions used to be like uh, two hours max like it was an hour and forty minutes hour and a half. Uh, sessions, which is like the idea behind that was like we want to deep dive in talks because like sometimes you get talk, uh, and it doesn't really it kind of just some more of an intro to a topic. And it doesn't really deep dive into some of the issues and and, and concerns with that. So uh, I asked a lot of people, <laughs> and uh, I'm really grateful for for they did, but they actually like extended their talk, or we could also do like uh, a hands on activity if they wanted to, if they didn't want like uh, like create like half hour new material or whatever. Um, and some of that too. So basically, essentially, I had like this uh, speaker. All the speakers were kind of like locked in for an hour and a half to hour and 40 minutes talk. And so driving to the venue uh, when the conference was like the next day, uh, I get a phone call from someone who uh, back in the day, back then, you couldn't, uh, you know, you couldn't like, you know, well, you, they, could, they can't make phone calls, but like uh, they called me and uh, the phone went off. And I was like, well, there's a problem because he should not be able to call me because they should be up in the air flying you know because basically a spreadsheet <laughs> like i know when they're flying and coming in because uh, as you say like you know the spreadsheets uh yeah. is uh and so i called and it's like uh, he can't make it because of a medical emergency and so um i had to go track down a speaker who could speak for uh, an hour and a half at least and fill that hole within 24 hours uh in a, in a town that's not really didn't like you know it's in the, the city is a lot better now than it was you know 10 10 15 years ago in terms of um of uh, of a uh, of uh, you know internet uh businesses businesses wood design development stuff like that so i had to go track down a speaker who could actually fill that hole and, and it couldn't be someone else because it was a general conference at the time too so uh it had to be a specific thing that it could not be another topic that another eight and ten speakers are already talking on and so uh that was like the, one of the most stressful times just like trying to find someone who could yeah. Who could uh, fill that? And I was like, and at one point it was going to be me. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. I was like, I don't know who, what I'm going to be talking about, but this is, no, be talking. but yeah, so I was frantically trying to uh, to fill that. So, but yeah, so knock on wood, that doesn't happen anymore. I have one. Okay. Um, so, so last year at January San Francisco, we had some uh, terrible AV issues. Um, it's kind of a st- they obviously did an AV check and the company did everything, all the setup, everything in rehearsal was fine. And then uh, it happened at the beginning of the conference and um, the first talk, couldn't hear couldn't hear the speaker um, and the slides didn't sync up to, to the screen. 
took them about like uh, five or 10 minutes to sort it out, which is like an eternity if you're the conference organizer or the speaker. Yeah. Um, but they, they managed to sort it, so it was fine. Rest of the conference all day was really worked well. Everything worked fine. And then it happened again just before the closing keynote. And it went on forever. Slides didn't look all right. Um, mic didn't work properly. Um, and everyone was just sitting there. And it's such, such a stressful situation to be in um, because it's out of your hands. You know, you, you've paid a bunch of people to, to look after this. You know, you know as, as you know, with the conference, conference organizing, it's not cheap. So you, you're trusting them to sort it out. And just, it took absolute ages. And um, the closing keynote was by uh, Mike Monteiro. He, um, he was getting a little bit impatient as well, I think. And just, but uh, he's a really good sport. And then he, he just decided, I don't, know, I don't know what's going on here, but let's just do like an impromptu Q&A. So he did, uh, you know, just uh, started talking. And people asking questions, and he gave some really, really good advice. Um, and and you know, it wouldn't have been there. We wouldn't have done a Q and A really with with Mike Montero because we didn't have the time. So in this way, people got like a what twenty minutes, maybe even half an hour Q and A, and then they finally managed to to work it out. Although the slides still looked a bit weird, like the colors were all inverted. Oh, wow. um, but he he managed. He did the talk, um, so he got. You got twice as much make on Tyro for the same money. That's <laughs> <laughs> stressful. Yeah, and it's always good like you find um, the speakers who can roll with it too. It's you know, in terms of yeah, yeah. But he's but yeah. And it, it ended up with like the the AV company being really embarrassed, giving us half the money back mm-hmm. and sacking one of their people. Oh wow. Mm. Yeah, that's, well, that's how it goes sometimes so yeah yeah so uh it's not for the faint of heart that's for sure no. <laughs> Definitely not. so so one of the things i, I do want to say is like i've used spreadsheets more than i have ever before uh thanks to uh, conference organizing like, mm-hmm. like go to your point before is like spreadsheets and you know, yeah. it's just like uh man yeah uh, you live in your spreadsheets you need to yeah i live in the, in the email box and the spreadsheets yeah, when I want to do work with conferences, so yeah. it's yeah, a lot of email. Yeah, yeah, they keep on saying email is dead, but uh, I still, God, no, <laughs> I'm still using it. So it doesn't really work without it. Yeah, yeah. there's a lot of chasing, both both in you know, editing, um, and writing, writing articles. You know, especially if you want input from other people, and you want some quotes for your article. There's mm-hmm. you know, majority of my time is spent chasing people. Yeah. yeah, it's yeah. That's pretty much how it goes. I think that's how my editor, my editors usually feel. So it makes it makes things interesting as well. <laughs> <laughs> the the call for papers for the Belfast conference is still open. Cool, awesome. Till the first of May, so people can still submit if they like. Okay, and what's the URL for that? Uh, Pixelpioneers.co. Okay. Okay. Cool. Yeah, that sounds like a great one. And again, you're looking for. None, uh, like before that the is it more UX UI type of talks or is that yeah or, I mean, so? yeah that's similar I mean that conference is on the 16th of November in in Belfast and again it's you know I want to show like a, a, a wide range UX UI a um, little bit of code mm-hmm. maybe some you know soft skills that we talked about earlier yeah kind of stuff cool yeah 
right, cool. And then how can people find you on on the internet? And uh, uh, my website is oliverlindberg.com. And Twitter handle is the same thing at Oliver Lindberg. And then, you know, find details about me on pixelponius.co site as well. Cool. Well, awesome. Well, I appreciate you being here. Thanks for having me. It's been fun.